mamas and papas, mamas and papas. Mamas and papas, get fit for your kids. Okay, people, so welcome to Mamas and Papas, the podcast where we look after parents' health. Not just for them, but for their goddamn kids, because we need to chase after them. Because if we don't, we're doing them a disjustice, aren't we? Aren't we? Is it disjustice or is it misjustice or unjustice? I don't know. I always said disjustice. I don't know. We're going to stick with we're going to stick with disjustice. Okay, all right. Dan said we have got sound, so that's all good. So a lot of things have been happening in the group this week. That was a bit of a lie. There's not. Okay, but there's been some healthy meals going up. And it's been mainly podcasts this week and healthy meals. Um, I am getting together something. I've been ticking around with it. A a workout challenge, a, a, a challenge called the 300 Challenge, which has been run before. And it has a prize at the end. So it has a cash prize. So I'm working on that in the background. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if you want to win... I think bottom prize is going to be in between 100 and 200 pounds to whoever, whoever completes the challenge. And it's a 10 day challenge. You can get fit. You can feel energetic. It only really takes, I'm going to really like, it only takes about two minutes on the first day. But on the last day, it does take a little bit of time because each day builds. But if you're interested in that, Keep your ears peeled, keep your eyes peeled in the group and we'll get that going, okay? Right, so today we are talking about mindset with the kids and how yoga can help them, okay? So we've got Rachel again, she was on last week and this one, she's really going to have to take the lead on this one because I don't mind admitting it, sometimes I do need to put my manliness to the side and open up my mind, do you agree? Mm -hmm. She's nodding her head, right? To this stuff and I am slowly getting better I'm not perfect I'm not some say I am but I'm not okay so we're going to talk mindset today so my first question for Amy I'm going to take a seat now Amy Rachel Rachel Amy Amy Amy's not my name though is it I know but I keep Rachel. saying keep saying to Zoe Amy and she's going no Ryan you've been getting it wrong for so long I'm like ah oh, Amy nightmare okay so let's start with what's your yoga done Sorry, I've read that really wrong. Let me start again. Let's start with what yoga does for the mind. So what would you say, because obviously I, you just see people moving their bodies, don't you? You enlighten me. Tell me more. So obviously yoga is a practice of eight limbs. So only one of it is the physical movement. There are seven other limbs to yoga, which comes through mindset, the way you live your life. Karma, diet, all those things are all kind of in the yogic lifestyle. And the reason that movement is really important is that it is the connection to those other limbs. Yeah, it's really, really hot in here, Ryan, so I don't know. Yep. <laughs> so what yoga does from my perspective is it creates a space of quiet and stillness of the mind, enable for you to kind of just be in your body and just think your thoughts because what happens in our lives um, we get so busy and we think literally four thousand things in every minute and your brain's this like i like to call it white noise like there's white noise going on in your brain all the time because you're thinking so many things and doing so many things 
And through a practice like yoga or any other kind of mindfulness practice, be it meditation or any other sort of mindful movement, is you're really bringing awareness to the thoughts that are in your head. And some of those thoughts are actually like kind of really scary. And for anyone that's in any way kind of spiritual or woo, like the beliefs that you store in your head create your reality. So the way you look at yourself and the things you think about yourself create your outward existence. So I think the broad overarching answer to that question is yoga creates the space to bring attention to the things that you're thinking so you can then deal with those thoughts. So the way I take that is um, if I was to bring it into my own sort of personality is I'm constantly in fight or flight. Even in my body language I'm always go, go, go. And I'm guessing, or this is how I would interpret that, um, it would give me time to calm my thoughts and maybe not defrag on the tasks that I do in my day-to-day -day life but to actually concentrate and prioritize the things in my head and get rid of the clutter. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, that's exactly what it does. Yeah. It really is about decluttering. So you can take away 3,000 of those 4,000 thoughts and only be left with the ones that you genuinely need. And like kind of, it gives you a space to work through them as well. Like we don't really create spaces to work through our emotions and our thoughts. So yoga is a really great way to do that. Um, and that's why so many people end up, once you get into yoga, that's kind of it, like can't get out of it because it creates that necessary space. I'm slowly starting to um, slowly starting to think I should do this this yoga stuff. Um, but I like lifting weights. and. Uh, but I like lifting weights. I know, and that, I know you like lifting <laughs> weights, but I, I lift the weights. I throw it around, do this, do that. But I honestly should. So I think that's the thing. Lifting weights is about strength and exertion. And it really does kind of go hand in hand with yoga because it's like you are, you're exerting yourself and you're creating that strength. And then yoga just takes that strength that you've created and expands it. It's like, okay, what are we going to do with these things that we've learned? And it just gives you that capacity to really work through those things. Because I feel like I love lifting because it gets, I say I lift weights because then I'm less crazy because it helps get the crazy out. But underneath the crazy, there is still those thoughts and feelings and beliefs in my head. So like lifting gets rid of the crazy and then yoga helps me work through what's left. Okay, cool. So I don't think we need to really touch on that when that much more. So let's go for the next one. So how would you say the world is affecting our kids, our kids' mindsets? Yeah, I think kids these days have a really shit hand, especially living from the pandemic and everything that's going on. But more so than that, they are like informationally open to literally everything. They are overstimulated. There is always a screen or a noise or something going on. And they also have access to everyone else's lives at all times. Like when we were kids, Ooh, yeah. you would see your parents, your brother and sister, and then whatever your friends said mm. at school. And that was really it, oh. right? Whereas kids these days have constant access to celebrities, to friends, to family, to people they admire on the internet. And all that does to their mindset in the way that it's represented and if they're not, you know, the most perfect, healthy, like emotionally human beings, which none of us are, is I'm not good enough, I'll never have that, why can't I have those things, why do their parents love them more, what, what about me means I can't have all those things, why does it get to be easy for them, and it just becomes this really negative compounding mindset of like, what's wrong with me, why can't I have the things that they have? 
because especially with the internet, and I think that's all kind of comes down to the internet, yeah. is yeah. you see the highlight reel. They see all the great things about people's lives. Like, they see all the good mm. things all these kids have, and they don't see those shit things. Like, when you have friends on the internet, like, during lockdown, like, they talk to their friends and stuff, they see the great thing. But when you're kids and you go around, like, other people's houses and you see their parents yelling at them and their room untidy and all that stuff, and it's real life. Oh, yeah. Whereas now, I don't think kids see that real no. life so much, and it does just compound in a really negative mindset towards themselves. It's a massive overwhelm. It is a massive overwhelm, mm -hmm. this, 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 um, this world we're living in. Because I, I always say to people about, um, we're crippled in making decisions. So this is my bit I'm going to put into it. So remember when we were young and we had channels one, two, three, and five if we were lucky. Yeah? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> There was always something to watch, wasn't there? Leave a little, like, leave the word always down below if there was always something to watch when we had five channels. Okay? Right. Now we have, like, 200, 300 channels. Is there anything to watch? I don't have TV for that exact reason. I spend <laughs> more time trying to pick something to watch than watching it. So I just don't, we don't have any. We are overwhelmed <laughs> by so many choices in this day-to-day -day thing that we end up actually not concentrating in one space. There's this bit of information, this bit of information, this show, this show, this show, there's too much. So it kind of overwhelms your mind and you end up learning nothing mm -hmm. rather than something. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, kids are like horribly overstimulated. Like, and I see that as a teacher all the time. Like, they constantly need to be doing something and have something and they can't sit still. They can't self-regulate. They can't just entertain themselves. This is what I see, obviously, as a teacher in my classroom, whereas... Again, because we didn't have all of that overstimulation, no. your parents would be like, I'm bored, go outside. I'm bored while you're boring. You know, like that was what we got. Whereas now it's like, here's an iPad, go on YouTube, do this, play this game. Whereas we just have to figure it out ourselves. And that process of figuring it out comes with so many emotional strategies that you will need to figure other situations out. Like it's a problem solving task, yeah. entertaining yourself. I mean, I even see it in my adult clients now. Um... I, uh, I coach people called questioners. I categorise my Kaijian clients into four different categories. And my questioners, which we can go into, there's actually a test on Amazon Pop as well. So um, you can go and fill that survey in if you're interested in it. Um, but I have questioners, and what they will do is they will question and question and question so much that, like, even down to, oh, should I do a keto diet? And they'll question it so much and research it so much and get so many different bits of information that in the end, they just want to do keto. And then they'll go low-carb diet. And they'll, they'll, they'll question and they'll go, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So it's like an overwhelm of too much information out there. And that really works well with a coach because I'm here to go, this is the actual scientific evidence. Ignore that noise over there. Mm -hmm. Like you said white noise so it, it you know it can be white noise outside of the head as well as inside the head because obviously that goes in um yeah. so we touched on that that's good so and coming off saying that too like a huge thing that yoga can do obviously for you as well as your kids oh, is really get you out of your mind and into your body so your body is the biggest decision making vessel that you have you know we have all of this kind of wives tales of like gut feelings or it felt right or I just knew like instinct right that's because your body is your decision making vessel and we have been conditioned to make the right choice or make the smart choice or think about it 
Whereas really, there's just bullshit up in your head. Like, there is no truth up there. There is every single thing you've ever heard, every single thing you've ever read, every single conversation you've ever had. So again, all your head is is overwhelmed. So a really amazing thing that yoga does is take you out of your head and back into your body so you can really tune into what does a gut feeling feel like? Where do I feel that instinctive pull or instinctive contraction towards or away from something? And then that takes you out of that space of overwhelm. And when it comes to health and fitness especially, your body very intuitively knows what you should and shouldn't be eating. But what happens is we don't slow down long enough to pay attention. So we just eat what we should eat or what we're told to eat, what the internet says we should eat. And that's how we all end up really sick. Obviously, I'm no better than anyone else, but I'm aware that we have that capacity. It doesn't mean I do it all the time. But really paying attention to as this is going a little bit off topic, but like as you're putting the food in your mouth, how does that feel in your mouth? As it goes down, how does that feel? Before you put another bite into your mouth, asking, do I want another bite or am I just putting it in my mouth for the sake of putting it in my mouth? And just kind of seeing where these um, things lead you to a really huge way, again, a little bit off topic of getting back into your body is to eat when you're fucking hungry. Because one of the first ways we are taught to disassociate or deregulate from our bodies is to eat on a schedule. Your body doesn't need to necessarily eat on a schedule. And Ryan might go against this with all his oh, like, no. health and stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. But just pay attention to eating when you're hungry. If you get home from work and you're not hungry, don't eat. Wait until your body gives you the signals to eat. And the more that you eat when you want to eat, the more that you pee when you want to pee, these are the first things that we are taught to control about ourselves. Eat on a schedule, pee when you're told to. The more you eat when you're hungry and pee when you need to pee, the more you get into contact with what your body feels like. And then you can use your body to make really like simple decisions. Like, do I want a salad or a sandwich or really huge decisions? Like, should I quit my job, get a divorce, sell my house and move to England? And it all and all of those decisions, that's, that's a real life example there. Yeah. All of those decisions live in your body. So that's a huge thing that yoga can do for adults and kids alike is get you to feel what does this decision feel like in my body rather than what's going on in your head. God, you blown my mind. Monologue. Yeah, blown my mind. <laughs> I've forgotten what I was going to say, actually. It was in my head, but it's absolutely gone. I was sitting there going, remember that. Remember, <laughs> that, remember that. But it's gone. Okay, so that question was, how is the world affecting our kids' mindset? So, summary, overwhelm from people's perfect lives. Mm-hmm. Um and even adults, overwhelmed for perfect lives. Uh, and Overstimulation. Yeah, if I was to really sum, sum this question up on what you've said, is that it's sort of like if you gave a kid yoga to do, it would be a timeout that wasn't a timeout mm-hmm. to help to regulate their thoughts so that they could lead a happier life and get rid of the fog. Yeah, it really is about creating a space for self-awareness. So any sort of yoga or meditation or any sort of stillness practice is just about creating a space to be with yourself. And when you first start yoga as an, as an adult, like some practices are horrible and you go through every single negative thought you've ever had and you end up crying for 20 minutes on the floor. But you really have to dig through all of that shit in order to get down to what truly matters and what you really are here to do and the things you're here to feel and the beliefs. And also by doing that, with kids and having that kind of, it's obviously, it's not stillness as a practice, but that quietness of Mm. a practice allows them to not let those thoughts pile up to the point that you need to get out the JCB. 
I'm going to ask a question a little bit off topic and see if you can answer it. I'm going to throw you in under the bus here. Anyway. So okay, cool. Fun, ADHD, HDD, HDD, HDD is the TB. Sorry. Um, would you say it would be beneficial for people with with ADHD and HDD? HD, I've said it wrong again. ADD. You know, we've got kids up there that don't know how to regulate their 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 either anger or feelings or their energy. Mm-hmm. Let's call it energy. Would it be highly beneficial for them, or would it be? Yeah, I think it's highly benef- beneficial for everyone, but especially for kids with ADHD and ADD that struggle with that self-regulation. Again, it's about yoga for kids is about giving them tools to access the things that they'll need. So it's not necessarily about like the physical practice as it is for an adult, but it's about creating these places of skills that they can use in their lives. So, yeah. I think the thing is with ADHD and ADD, and obviously, again, this comes from me being a teacher, there are so many parents who, or kids or whatever, the system is like, oh, they're ADHD, that explains everything, here's some medication. Fine, right? And that's what so many parents are like, oh, he's ADHD. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but he still has to live and function in the society. So what are we going to do to enable him to live and function in society? What skills are we going to teach him? I say him, um, her, anyone so that they can go on and thrive as adults. Like ADHD isn't the end, it's the beginning of a very long journey towards teaching them skills that they're gonna need, because nobody wants to be on medication for the rest of their life, unless absolutely necessary. Uh, I, I, in the past, went through a little thing with my son, uh, where they were saying he had ADD. And I decided against medication, I decided against going down that route. And as time went on, we, we realised how that he could concentrate and the, the tools we had to put in place in order to, to, to work with him. Okay, so I do think it's very over, what's the word, not prescribed, over... Yeah, over prescribed. Is that over prescribed? Yeah, because you prescribed drug, not you? And obviously my son was very short and they said it was standard growth, so we decided not to go with that. <laughs> so it was one of them. But I do think it's like, even for me, looking back at me as a kid... I think that maybe if I had someone to throw out there some extra tools to say, let's take this time out and let's practice this new technique, it would have helped me. I'm coming from a background where I didn't know how to write my name at the age of, um, what's uh, the first year of junior school? Sorry, second year of junior school. Year four. How old would I be there? Nine or ten. Nine or ten years old. Couldn't write my name. Didn't know the alphabet. I think that if I had a bit of time to go away and clear some space in my mind to actually default how I was feeling at the time, it might give me uh, a good place to maybe get my thoughts together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it creates that space of focus too. And once you, it's a thing like learning and focusing is a skill. Like it's not something that's taught in schools either, which is a huge failing of the education system. Like you need to be taught how to focus. And you need to be taught how to learn. And once you know how to do those things, then you can apply it to literally anything you want to. But I see so many kids that haven't been taught to focus and haven't been taught how to learn, and then you can't learn anything. But I think that's the thing, giving kids an opportunity to learn how to focus on what's going on currently. That's the thing. It's about focusing on the right now and focusing on you and that really allows you to drown out 99% of the noise that's going on in the rest of your existence. 
Okay, cool. I don't know whether that's answered our next question. Because the next question was, how can we bring yoga to the table to better their outlook? We kind of have gone over that. Yeah? yeah? Right. I would say another thing though, like it's a lot in the breath too, like the breathing that's aspect of yoga is really, really important. And just again, as a human in life, it's really important. And what we have a plague of is people breathing on the test. So when you breathe, it's likely that your chest will rise and fall, but only 20% of your breathing capacity lives up here. So teaching kids to breathe into the belly, and especially as women, we are the worst for doing it because we're always like holding in our abs because we you know, want, want to look skinny. Men don't suffer with it quite so much, but 80% of your breathing capacity lives down here in the diaphragm. So if you're not breathing into the belly, you're limiting your body to 20% of the oxygen that it could be having. And thus you're limiting your brain capacity to 20% of what it could be having. You're limiting your muscles to 20% of what they could be having when you have that extra capacity. So even teaching kids to put their hands on their belly and to breathe in so their belly expands and exhale so their belly contracts and doing that five or ten times and teaching them to do that when they are upset or when they're angry or when they're struggling to do something and giving them those 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever, to just sit and breathe and feel their bodies is going to be really, again, a really great strategy for them to have a space to go that is their own. And I think that's really what it's kind of all about. And even as an adult, we always say, take a, take a deep breath. But it's really about taking the right deep breath, like into your belly. And again, that also stimulates your digestive system. So much of your health lives in your gut. If that's not getting stimulated, nothing else is working too. So just deep breathing can change your inner fit's life. See, that was the bit that really got me because I'm like, breathe belly, what? Yeah, yeah. Breathe here. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, but how's my chest going to look big? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> oh, cheers. Yeah, you get a little puff belly. Yeah. But your brain's working at 100% oxygen capacity, so. I think it's mad about it. It's massively beneficial. We, we wanted to do this in a two-part series because obviously the mind and the body is to do with yoga. This bit was a little bit more out of my league, this one, you know, because obviously, you know, I'm trying to be all manly and stuff. But I've dipped my toe into it with body by getting Rachel to do like a, a warm-up drill for a workout. And oh, it does feel good. It does feel good, and I do feel it afterwards. And even doing like a five-minute warm-up drill afterwards, I'm like, wow, I've been bent in so many ways that I, I you know, that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and knowing where the tightness in, is in my body, I can then connect my brain to that part of the body and go, right, well, that's where I need work, and get in tune. Mm -hmm. And it kind of works in one, wouldn't you say? Like, so if the child knows their body and they know their mind, they're going to be in better tune to actually do better in life. Yeah? The same as an adult. But they're just starting at a really young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Have you seen yoga in the past help kids? That's a really good question. Have you seen it? Not, not personally, but have you seen any studies on it and kids doing it? Yeah, there is loads of studies with just kids in school, kids in primary schools, Obviously, any kids that have been through kind of like trauma or abuse, yoga is huge for them as well. There are so many studies out there about the benefits of yoga for children. It's also a really great way of building like leadership skills because yoga is this all-inclusive practice. Like 
you hear a lot of people say like, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga, but yoga is for all bodies. Like sometimes you're flexible, sometimes you're not. Like Ryan will even speak to it. I'm not really very flexible. You aren't? No. Why aren't well, you? Because I'm not, because that's not my body. Like I lift a lot. My muscles are tight. Okay. Thus I'm not that flexible. But I can still do yoga. I must be a cardboard box then. Essentially. Yeah. No, it's I'm not that bad. <laughs> um, but yoga is for all bodies and thus for all children. So it's a really great inclusive way for children to, you know, move their bodies together and build leadership skills through teaching each other, you know, flows and practices and moving through like the asanas because everyone can do it. And another great thing about yoga that we don't really get with other sports with kids, it's not about winning, it's not about being faster, it's not being about being quicker or better or stronger, it's just about being. There is nothing more to it than that. It's not about doing it right or wrong, all yoga is correct. And giving, especially like kids who are have lower self-esteem, giving them something where they can experience strength and balance and, you know, pushing through and determination and perseverance in a way that isn't competitive with anyone else is a really fabulous thing for their mindset and, like I said, for their self-esteem and their leadership skills and all of those things too. We'll save that competitiveness for, like, football and all those other things. I hate competitiveness. I just want I've to do ne- it. I've never been competitive. No. Do, do I come across competitive? No. We, we had deadlift-offs, but but I wouldn't say there was any competitiveness. <laughs> Not really. No, <laughs> just like doing no, it. No, <laughs> like, literally just do it. But um, I'm probably the least competitive bloke. I know. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes I'm competitive against myself, but only when I care. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do this more than I did it last time. But if Ryan's like, do this, I'm like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Which is the plague of nah, our PT nah. sessions. He's like, all right, we're going to do nah. this. And I'm like, no, we're not. No, no, no. I don't think Let's so. Do today. No, not today, Ryan. Let's do this over here. All right, okay. How much <laughs> do I owe you at the end, eh? You know what I mean? Mm. Now, I do want to actually touch on something else at the end of this podcast, so I'm going to save the end of this podcast for my questions for you. So, before I came round here, Rachel did something to me called a human design... Reading. Reading. I was about to say test. Everything has to be a test, doesn't it? And she's talked about this in the past, and I'm like, right, okay, what is it? Like, you know, you asked what it is, and, and Rachel basically said to me, it's too much in it. We ain't, we ain't going to go through it. I'm going to bore you, Ryan. You're too manly. We ain't doing it. But... Paraphrasing. Yeah. We went... She texted me today and she said, look, send me over these details. I'm going to do your reading. Okay? So, me being the man, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, all right, whatever. She's going to send me, um, I don't know. She's going to send me, like, a cloud of candy floss with some spiritual words in it or and something. Glitter. Like yeah, and glitter. It's going to go, poof, on the phone. Right, <laughs> but I tell you what, I was so surprised on what she sent back. Do you mind talking them through what you sent me back? And I will keep my mouth shut, and at the end, I will say how much it ties in massively with me. Because I would like other people to know what human design is and what a human design reading is. Because I'm still learning, and I was well impressed. You take the stage. So, baseline explanation, human design is an esoteric science that combines Eastern and Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah Kabbalah Tree of Life, plus quantum physics and biomechanics. So it's really an energy typing system where your energies naturally live in your body, where energies are missing, and thus how you interact with or magnetize towards or away from other people based on what your body needs. So I pulled up Ryan's chart. 
Um, Are you got your phone on you? Uh, no, I think I can't right. remember it all. So I'm right, okay. chart based on his date, and he doesn't have an exact time of birth, but his um, rough time of birth. And I just gave her the, the, the time that I was found on the doorstep of the orphanage. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, that's when his soul chose his body, so that's fine. Um, Sorry, Mum. Sorry. So, <laughs> Ryan is a 2-4 manifesting generator with emotional authority. Which I've never been called that before. Yes, but he is. So this means he has quite a lot of energy in his body. He's very likely to multitask and do lots of things because he has the sacred energy that is pumping that energy around his body. He also has a defined root, so that gives an extra pulse of energy. Um, he has a motor connection to the throat, which means he knows what he wants to do, and he's very good at verbalizing those things as well and telling people the things that he's doing. His defined spleen gives him a very good access to what is healthy, what is unhealthy, what is right or what is wrong when it comes to physical existence and kind of instinctual survival. He's also, also an emotional authority, which means that making decisions in the now isn't necessarily right or correct for Ryan. It's really about taking in the information, sitting with it for a little while, and then seeing what feels right. Um, again, from, through those emotions, we talked about having an open heart center, which means quite often you might lack motivation or determination to get things done. We also tie this to our self-worth. So saying things like, if I was more motivated then, or if I was more determined then, I would be worthy of this thing that I want if I could do this. So it really ties into that self-worth. And then he has an open head and an open Ajna or mind center, which means that he's open to being very overwhelmed by ideas and inspiration, really struggling to find the correct idea or the correct inspiration, really being caught up in this idea that there is a certain way to do something and trying to find that and almost being like frozen with so many ideas and not knowing which is certain, which obviously there's wisdom in this too, like having all these ideas and having this really open mind and being able to process in lots of different ways. Last thing, he's a two four profile, which means that he likes to spend a lot of time kind of by himself. It's the two four is the hermit opportunist. So like twos are really very naturally good at the things that they choose to do. That's where the zone of genius is, the things that come very naturally to him. And then that four line really creates opportunities through networking. So through the people that they know, through creating communities. So taking that time to be very natural at what you do and then reaching out and allowing people to reach out to you to create opportunities for yourself and for others. So that's kind of what I pulled from Ryan's chart when I sent it to him. And it made perfect sense to me, obviously knowing who he is. But it also makes perfect sense when I pull complete strangers' charts too. So, when I got this, I wasn't expecting. She she sent me a picture of something, and it meant nothing. <laughs> I said it was body craft, and I was like, "Look, so cute." He's like, "I, I was no like, idea. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Honestly, girl, like, what the hell is that?" And then she sent this all in a voice message, and it is it's me down to a T. It is me down to a T, and it's not just because you know me, but it's even to the Thing of like, even to the point of having too many ideas and getting overwhelmed, I have so many ideas in my head right now, and like we were saying earlier, it's it's an over-process that I get overwhelmed, and that's when I lack motivation because I can't choose the right idea, mm -hmm. is that what you were saying, basically? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just me down to a T, so I was quite impressed, so I will... 
I will talk to Rachel afterwards because it is something that is really beneficial in knowing yourself. If you want to know yourself better, and how would you explain, how would you actually explain that in layman's terms on how this can help you know yourself better? Because obviously you've read that out about mm -hmm. me and I'm like, shit, that's good. Yeah. Like, and I kind of know myself quite a lot. There's people out there that really don't know what they are like. So it could be quite beneficial. Mm -hmm. Would you say I know myself quite well? But in layman's terms, how can this help someone in their day-to-day -day life? This is obviously what Rachel does, and she does it quite well. What are the benefits to having this reading? Reading. So, a human design reading really gives you kind of a roadmap to your energetic blueprint. So it highlights the places that you have consistent energy. These are the places in your life and your existence that you are here to show up as the role model to really take the lessons that you've learned very naturally through those places and share them with others like Ryan and his like innate sense of health and what is not healthy and really live in those strengths. It also highlights the places that you have openness or that you are very conditioned from the things around you and it gives you strategies from working through that conditioning and really giving you steps out of those negative thoughts that quite often live in that conditioning. So with Ryan, like, oh, I can't, I wish I was more motivated, but I don't know which idea to think. And really giving yourself permission that this is the way my energy works and not making it a stumbling block anymore, but just a moment for kind of contemplation and then moving forward based upon your strengths. So I was the same as Ryan. I've been in this rabbit hole for probably about four and a half, five years now. When I first found human design, it like blew my motherfucking mind. I was like, this person <laughs> is reaching into the depths of my soul and pulling out all this information. So it's just the most liberating experience. And it does give you permission to be fully you. It gives you the vocabulary to explain to others why things work for you and why things don't. And it also gives you permission, like we were talking about earlier, to get into your body, listen to your body, and make reasonings being yes because, or no because, full stop. Like not having to explain with your thoughts and your minds the decisions that you're making. Oh, good. Good, and I think like what I've learned from the reading you've given me... Now actually, let's, let's rewind. How would you tell me to improve myself? How is that? Is that even a thing? I mean, I think we can always improve. I'm really sweaty. Oh my Same gosh! Here. Yeah. And we can always improve on like <laughs> <hot in> here. <laughs> being better versions of ourselves. So Ryan is a sacral being, being a manifesting generator. So I would say to you, you have these a... big words, and I'm getting so confused. And she's just, just she's let, calling let me, me all these you names. Understand. Okay, okay, no me down. For you me. have a very <laughs> responsive yes/no gut mechanism which okay. you can check in for with absolutely anything in the world. Right. So asking yourself yes, no questions, like should I launch this program, yes or no? Should I move gyms, yes or no? And digging into what your gut feels or mm. says is really important. And then also just paying attention because sacral beings have a sacral center that responds to things around them. So you might be driving down the A45 and see a billboard for something and get that gut feeling. That's something that you have to explore, even though you don't really know what it, what it is. Right, yeah. So it can lead you down these really great paths that you didn't know existed. But also then when something turns up and you get like that like contraction in the gut, like a nope, just get the fuck out of there. Don't even waste time. 
just yeah. leave. So yeah, digging into what that gut response is and using it all the motherfucking time. I do seem to use it all the motherfucking time at the minute. <laughs> Researching all sorts at the minute. But um, no, it does sound like me. It does sound like I go with my gut. And if I am interested in something, as I said, this is the same. If I'm interested in something, I'll research it until I've learned everything about it. Is literally like I will stay up till three a.m. in the morning thinking about it. I will go to bed, and my wife has said like she knows me do this. I'll go to bed. I'll have a thought in my head, and then I'll literally be back up, and I'll be making a workout program because I've found the perfect way to do this. Or, or you know, and it's some of my best workout programs have been made at three a.m. because I cannot stop that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. I have to get up. Yeah. And then go back, go to work the next day at 6am and everyone's like, why, why are you so tired? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just made the workout program for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I suppose my way of proving myself that I've taken from it is, if I took the time to do a little bit of yoga and actually compartmentalise my brain, I would not get that overwhelmed feeling of all these ideas in my head and I would take the time to sit back and think mm -hmm. rather than being on fight or I would flight. say take the no. step back to be thinking is what gets us to this crazy neurosis state but just being yeah is what gets you out of that okay. I have a lot to learn I have a lot to learn have you got anything at the end of this that you want to go through or we um just if you haven't looked up your human design go do it it's mybodygraph.com um, super, super fascinating. There's loads of free resources on Instagram, on YouTube, or if you want a full human design reading too, reach out to me or Ryan and we can sort that out as well because it can be and it is a completely life-changing process. Not a problem. If anyone is interested in it, honestly, it's, it's all about investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I would, as a coach, as a PT, as a friend, as... I would say that the best thing you can invest in is yourself and improving your mindset, your body, how you move, how you are with yourself and your thoughts. It's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. I remember being that bloke that was like, I won't ever pay a PT. I've got YouTube. And you have. You have got YouTube. But like we were just saying there, just on the podcast, there is umpteens amount of information out there that you will overwhelm yourself with and just to invest in someone to go I'm gonna work with you because you've got all you've got all the info I need that doesn't need to get clouded by this and that to go to that one space that one channel channel one and just to watch channel one you will learn something rather than learn nothing mm -hmm. okay I'm not saying that you can't learn stuff on the internet you can you can but it's through a mirror of fog because it is so foggy out there. So that would be my last words to you. The most important thing in your life you will do is invest in yourself. I'm a massive believer in that. Yeah. Okay. And then as a parent too, if you're investing in yourself, you're actually investing in your child tenfold. So like if you sort out, if you get in touch with your health and your body, it's work that your kids don't have to do because you've already taught them through modeling it. Like you invest in yourself and your mindset. That's work your kids don't have to do. So I think a lot of parents look at it as like, oh, I should do this instead. But literally investing in your health and your mindset is the one thing that your kids really need.
And it, it does, like what you just said there, like I think a lot of parents, they forget that they are the big golden shiny cock that runs the house, that runs the dinners, that runs this, that runs that. And they sit there and put themselves in the back seat of the car but and say... falls apart without you. And, and they say, I've got to put the kids first. When really, if you just put yourself first, a few times, I have this so many times with my coaching clients, if you just put yourself forwards as the number one cog, just for a moment, you'll serve the smaller cogs down below you. So much better. Okay, it's not greedy. It's not greedy. It's not selfish either. You are still a person. You are still... Kathy, you are still Derek. You know, you are still a person with feelings that needs to be taken care of and need to take care of you. And if you do, and uh, honestly, I've got a coaching client on in probably about four weeks. Her name's Sophia. And we're going to go through this because just investing in herself, she's improved herself tenfold with her parenting, with her mindset, with her sleep, with everything. And, well, I don't want to give too much away, but she'll come on and she'll be talking about that, but we both see it all the time. Invest in yourself just that tiny bit and you will see a massive, massive change, okay? And also on like the kids' front as well, see, by saying I'm important and these are the things I need to do for myself, you're also teaching your kids that they have needs and they are allowed to self-advocate for the things that they need. That other people, I think one of those things that parents accidentally do is they accidentally teach their kids that other needs come before your own needs, right? By being the parent and putting the kids in front of your needs, you accidentally teach them that that is the right thing to do. But it's a really strong message to say, I'm a human being, I'm gonna go to yoga, I'm gonna go to the gym, I need 20 minutes by myself because this is what I need to be the best parent I can be. And you're teaching them to self-advocate for their needs and that it is okay too. So it's a really powerful message. I don't think we've got anything else. <laughs> I don't think we've got anything else to add. Um, I've been Ryan like always. I'll always be Ryan. I'm Rachel Amy, like Amy with a Y, just with an I. This might be Ra Amy Rachel. Yeah, no, just. Who Rachel. knows? Who knows? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Amy, and that was the second part of the podcast. Um, but it doesn't mean that Rachel's going to go away forever. She's in the Mothers and Papas group, so you will see her in there, and you can search her in there if you want to shoot her a message, okay? Yes, please do. I love answering questions. There you go. And she, she does answer them quite well. So sometimes I'm like, God, I need to read that later. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I get overwhelmed with text. Right, so we are going to say see you later, and I'll add in the uh, Mums and Papas intro after this.
Mamas and papas, mamas and papas. Mamas and papas, get it for your kids.